Welcome back to Library Media Chatter, a monthly podcast focused mostly on deciphering which books we want to read over spring break and which books we need to read over spring break. That is not what this is about at all. No? All right. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> okay. Spoil. I guess I spoiled the whole thing. Yeah, spoiler. There. Spoiler. Uh, as always, I'm Dan Wright, Library Media Specialist at Oakville and Melville High Schools. Joined. Did you hear yourself yeah. get that right? I did. You nailed I, this it. is like two or three episodes in a row. Yeah, that's good. I've yeah. really I didn't even add it in the notes. I thought about typing it into <laughs> the notes so I would have to read it. And I'm like, no, I can do this. I'm a you pro. Did it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I'm Greg Baum. I am a library media specialist at Rockwood Summit. Yeah. Dulcet tones, Dr. Greg. Baum. <laughs> I think let's just get right into it. I, yeah, let's jump you, in. I know that the fans have been clamoring for more banter. Yeah, at the beginning, but yeah. I think this week let's just get right to this week. Well, see now yeah. that's where I messed up. This show has never been about giving people what they want. No. So. nor will it be, and it never will. Be. No. So <laughs> let's let's get right into it, Craig. What are you reading? Okay. Well, I picked this book even though I read it maybe a couple of weeks ago. It's called Vesper Flights by Helen McDonald. I'm, uh, we immediately have to disqualify it. If you're not currently reading <laughs> it's it, it's not you literally. You got to lie to the, the people, desk. Greg. They won't know. They're not yeah. following you. Dang it. I know. Yeah. Uh, so this book, so Hel- Helen McDonald is a nature writer. And you know, if you are, because you are loyal podcast listeners that I have talked about my love of nature writing before. Yes. British footpaths. Yes. Uh, mountains. What was that guy's name? Uh, Robert McFarlane. Mark McFarlane. Yeah. He's on my list. I've still He's got great. it. Yeah. He's great. Helen McDonald is very good. She is not a favorite for me like he is, but she is someone I will read more of. This was her first book that I'd read. So this book is a collection of essays about nature. And she is she writes more specifically about birds. And she is English. So she's writing about primarily about birds in England. All right. And yeah, it's really... It's an uneven collection. Like some of the essays are like incredibly insightful and well put together and others are fine. There's not anything bad, but they're just not as strong as, you know, those standout ones. Sure. Do you feel like uh, there was a pattern in it? Like she clearly prefers certain birds. So it was giving short shrift to other birds in her essays. Good question. Well, that's a good question for a reread. Yeah. Yeah, She's a real She's a real speciest who does not appreciate certain birds as much as she should. I do think she might favor the birds of prey. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So that that's very possible. She, this is her second book and I haven't read her first, but I would recommend both of these for a high school library based on what I read in this one. They're great. Like the first one is about her going through a grieving process after her father passes away through learning to be a falconer. Right. All right. She, yeah. Trains a hawk. So the yeah. book is called H's for Hawk. And then this one is Vesper Flight's collection of essays about nature and our connection to the natural world. Um, what I really like about it was her focus kind of that she approaches in different ways through these essays is that a lot of nature writing and thinking about nature starts with the presumption that the way humans see the world is also the way animals see the world. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an attempt to decenter that and say like, well, what if we try to see this not, it's hard, you know, it might even be impossible, but what happens when we try to see the world not as a human? And so anyway, highly recommended for a high school collection, um, like 
interesting, good narrative nonfiction you could share with a class and use excerpts, you know, one essay at a time, you know, for different things. So sure. Yeah. What um, about you? What are you oh, reading? Really oh, quickly, I have a yeah. follow up question. Yeah. Um, why do you hate American nature writers so much? <laughs> it's, it's only British nature writers. You know, you. I, I think so. I have one American nature writer who I really like. I think it's Edward Abbey. And he wrote about the American West. Um, but, you know, I just haven't read as much. And yeah. so I now that you've called me on it. Yeah. Now that I have been called onto the carpet. <laughs> Real nature <laughs> anglophile over here. Yes. I'm going to rectify that. Yeah. And make things right for this dedicated audience. The next on. seven episodes are going to be American <laughs> nature writers. None of All right, which what are you reading? you're going to buy you for your library. I am reading uh, The Stranger in the Lifeboat by Mitch Album. Okay. Um, speaking of, I had the little note at the top about figuring out what you want to read versus what you need to read. Uh, this is a one for me. I've been trying to do a lot of uh, as we talked about it, it was a want. It was a, it was a it was a want. It was what okay. I wanted to read. Okay. Um, where I feel like we've talked about it before. We're trying to read or having to read more of those challenge books and yeah. the new gateway books and whatever yeah. else is coming. Um, and this was one that I just was like, you know what? I'm going to set aside other things I'm reading. I've mostly enjoyed every Mitch album uh, fiction okay. book. Yeah. Um, or. <laughs> I guess I should say every Mitch album book post Tuesdays with Maury, uh -huh. uh, because the books before that were all very heavily sports related. I was going to say, I thought he was a sports writer. Yes. originally. Yeah. Okay. So if you like Tuesdays with Maury and beyond, yeah, it doesn't mean that you're going to love the fab five, which is, yeah, gotcha. it was my favorite uh, Tuesdays with Maury, the next generation, then beyond yeah. that one. Yeah. There were a lot yeah. of good ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the majority of those books I've enjoyed. In fact, Tuesdays with Maury was the book when I was in high school that made me go, oh, reading can be a good thing. I can oh, enjoy cool. reading. So oh, I, wow. I try to make sure that I read all of his books. This one was good. Yeah. Uh, if, if you like Mitch Albom's books, you will like this one. Okay. Um, it is, <laughs> the title gives a little bit of it away. There are some people on a lifeboat after a shipwreck and there is a stranger on it who in the world of this book, and this is not spoiling anything, I'm pretty sure it's on the back cover, uh, claims to be God. Oh, this does sound like a Mitch album. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, very much in the vein of something like the, the first phone call from heaven. Uh -huh. um, I loved the magic strings of Frankie Presto because it, the... I the know about that one. Um, kind of supernatural element was music, like the idea of music, which yeah. made it a little bit different from his other things. But this is very much that kind of what can a higher power do for you or kind of how do people turn to things when yeah. whatever. Uh, Well-written. He writes okay. good books. Yeah. It's a quick yeah. read. Uh, in, again, enjoyable if you like his other ones. I, I would buy it for the school library if you have people that are reading any of his other books yeah because uh, they'll enjoy this one just the same is it um it kind of felt when you were describing it like it had some life of pie vibes is there anything like that so, or not really i mean in the sense that there are people on a boat and there's this other thing on the boat that is seemingly not the same uh yes <laughs> spot on i nailed yes. it yeah yes very similar in that okay. way Got um it. no but not not much otherwise it was okay. nice you get kind of a dual perspective in it 
the the narrative of what's happening on the lifeboat is being told through like journal entries or diary okay. entries or however you want to think about it. A guy is writing to uh, who you presume to be his um, his wife or his girlfriend or somebody, a significant other in his life. He's continually kind of telling her the events of what's happening. And the other perspective is a the police chief of, uh, is, it, is it pronounced Montserrat? It um, is now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. We, we've learned my yeah. pronunciation of non very American words uh, can be iffy at best. Um, he gets his attention drawn to a, a kind of on the, the shore of this island, a lifeboat has come ashore. Yeah. And so he goes to kind of investigate it and finds this notebook. And it turns out a year ago, the ship sank. Mm. And just now, and it like thousands of miles away, and this thing washed up on shore here. Oh, and wow. he's got some personal demons that he's working through, and he's that he's kind of diving into the notebook. It's again, it's well done. It's an interesting conceit. Yeah. Uh, if you enjoy Mitch album, or if you have readers that enjoy Mitch album, they will like this one for sure. Oh, cool. Um, there are some that I didn't like as much as others. This would be like mid tier, okay. I think. Um, but enjoyable i think people yeah. like it yeah oh, very and cool. a, a nice break from all of the uh yeah. questionable i'm gonna put that in question marks questionable uh-huh. ya that we uh-huh. are having to read uh-huh so yeah so that's what we're reading um we're gonna take a quick break and we will be right back this episode is brought to you by the dewey decimal number 133 which means it's time for the favorite game of people who prefer a spring break staycation. Do we know our Dewey? I'm going to name books with call numbers that start one, three, three. Greg is going to guess what that section is all about. Greg, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Our first book is Poltergeists by Hal Markovitz. Okay. The Salem Witch Trials which was the title of like 15 different books between my two buildings written by any number of authors. I am not crediting any of them specifically, just books titled The Salem Witch Trials. Noted. Psychic Pets, True Accounts of Animal Paranormal Power by <coughs> oh Michael Streeter. And Ghosts of Jefferson Barracks, History <clears throat> and Hauntings of Old St. Louis by David Goodwin. Okay. Greg, what is this theme? I'm going to say paranormal and occult. Wow. How you almost am I? got the exact wording. Yeah? It's parapsychology no! and occultism. Oh, I was I, so close. But you absolutely, I'm giving you the credit Thank for this you. one, Greg. You nailed Thank it. Thank you. There's that a lot of mercy perfect. in this game, a lot of grace. <laughs> the way Dewey would have had it. Yes. What we're understanding as I read more articles about Dewey. Yes, the more we know about Heck him, of a guy. The clearer it is that he would have run the game this way. Yes. I found it really interesting in this section. We had a ton of books, and I mean this positively. We had a, yeah. a good number of books, and there are a good number of books out there in the vein of that ghost of Jefferson Barracks, uh, okay. the kind of like haunted St. Louis and yeah. yeah, like really local things, yeah. which I thought was pretty neat. And we've had some students, students that'll kind of get into some of that stuff. They'll want to dig in yeah. a little bit further into that world. I if wish we had go ahead. ghost hunting endeavors. I mean, yes. like, yes, yes. 
it gives them the opportunity they now know where to go um some of these books get real specific too about like because it's wow. very local it's, yeah. if you go down 44 and you get off at this exit and you go this way yeah. like here's where the ghosts are here's where this one particular ghost is uh, did you ever sorry I, our readers like when we go on tangents yes you know i i know that well um, it builds up our ad money when we take yeah. more time did you, have you ever this is just a quick question on the side have you ever heard of momo the momo. missouri monster he's like our bigfoot no okay, i don't think i, just I have learned, i just learned about momo i need to spread the word i'm kind of evangelizing this sure. <laughs> i'm evangelizing yes. momo as one does yes so do yourself a favor do a little Googling okay. about Momo after this. Do you Google Momo or do you need to Google the Missouri monster? Well, great question. Okay. We're going <laughs> to leave that hanging. Yes. We're gonna okay. Something for next episode. Save something for yeah. next time. Spoiler yeah. alert. We are so anyway, not going local to ghosts okay. have yes. been a big hit for you. Local ghosts <laughs> have been a big hit. Um, I, I don't know how often they get checked out, but I wish we had more like psychic pets. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. how that's not a, a that's area of the world that I don't know more about. I mean, yes. talk about. I I'm not a pet owner, so it is not so, a thing yeah. that occurs to me that my pets are speaking to me in any way. Greg, <laughs> as a pet owner, do you feel a psychic bond? With you know, pet? I have never I have never felt that um, that bond. I will say. I will say that I, in fact, did not know that pets could be psychic. Sure. So as um, I like to say about being with the kids in high school, you know, they're really teaching me. On this episode, yes. you're really teaching yes. me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm learning a little bit more every day. Well, if you check that book out, maybe your pet could start teaching you. <laughs> I can't even, can't even imagine. I would like him to win the lottery. Like, is that within the realm of pet psychic abilities? It, can can your pet point out the numbers? Uh, <laughs> I, I feel don't like know. this is a real We'd talking horse situation. Yes. <laughs> Greg, for the for the the big fans out there. Yeah. You have a dog? I have a dog. Does the His dog have is, a name? His name is Watson. Wonderful. He is a black lab. Do you think that he's not speaking to you psychically because Watson is not his actual name? It could be. It could just be a lot of built-up resentment. You yeah. know, I feel like... The, like my why does this guy keep shoulder? looking at me and <laughs> calling that out? Yeah. Uh, I will say Dan came to my house oh, a couple of years ago when Watson was still pretty much a puppy. And Watson was infatuated with Dan. In fact, I, <laughs> climbing uh, on Dan. Sure. Uh, and like any good pet owner, I let him do whatever he wanted. Sure. As a non-pet owner, it didn't bother me at all because <laughs> I don't have to deal with it all the time. Other people's pets are wonderful. That was extremely kind of you. Thank and you. at some point, uh, I will read that book and develop a stronger psychic connection yeah. with the pets of my neighborhood. And then who knows what kind of things we'll get up to. This really, this really took a whole turn. No, like, because we have some dogs in my neighborhood that bark a lot. <clears throat> Yeah. And at weird times. Yeah. And I'd like to connect with them to explain to them why that's not cool. <laughs> and maybe help them to not bark when anything or nothing is moving. Yeah. And see what I see if I can help. Well, listen, we can work together. When you get it figured out, come on over. Yeah. Have a talk with Watson. Yeah. It's it's parapsychology, Greg. It's part of my part of my job. I'll become if a, I, a dog know, psychologist. If I've learned nothing else, it's putting para in front of a science word makes me real confident. Yes. In that what's it's gotta going be real. On. 
Yeah. It's it's in a book, Greg. It's in a book. It's in a free. library. Yeah. Somebody we, bought it. We own it. We own it. Well, thank you, Dewey, for giving us number 133 and sponsoring this month's episode. Welcome back to Library Media Chatter. Uh, thank you, Dewey, again, for that wonderful sponsorship. We really do appreciate uh, being able to continue to make these episodes with your generous donations. Uh, is it the estate of Dewey? Who is it? Uh, I, is it just I, the institution of the Dewey Decimal System? About once a month, I pass by a disused mailbox and I check underneath <laughs> and there is an envelope there yeah. that will just have a three-digit number on it. <laughs> and it says... You're welcome, Dewey. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thanking Dewey. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Speaking of Dewey, Than, what are you doing? So at both Melville and Oakville's libraries, we have a separate section for gateway books where all the gateway books for all time are in their own separate areas. They do not make it back uh, to the general shelving because I think in the past, and, and we've had teachers do the same since I've been there, teachers will come and they'll have reading assignments or projects or whatever, and their recommendation or their requirement for students is that they read a, a gateway book. Obviously, it doesn't have to be this year's gateway book because if I'm sending 130 students to do this, we don't have 130 copies of this year's gateways. So at some point along the way, that was just an expedient way of kind of keeping those books together. So when teachers are looking for or students are looking for, uh, where's a book that I know will be kind of right up my alley? Where can I go? We noticed, however, and this is the what are we actually doing, that that can get real confusing for students when they're looking for book two or book three, or really when they're looking for book one. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the fantasy section, and every time I go, I see on my spine labels that this is book two or book three or book eight. But book one never seems to be at the library. Every time mm -hmm. I go, you guys never have it. For us, sometimes a student going, okay, I'm here. Does, do you have book one? And I'm standing there with them going, well, I guess we don't. I'm looking at it and I don't see it. So we came up with a way to add labeling to our shelves underneath those series books the two three four whatever yeah indicating that book number one or a book from this series because there's one or two gateways from the past that were book two or book three. Oh, okay uh yeah which is very rare i didn't realize I, that yeah I've, you wouldn't have any reason to know that <laughs> unless you embarked on this project yeah particularly um that we put a little marking on the shelf that another book from this series is located in the gateway section. And then we added a sticker inside the front cover uh, as well. So if you're looking at a series label inside, which we've put in the past. Um, so when you pick up Twilight book one, you can see these are the titles of books two through four. So when you're looking for those, yeah, we added another little sticker that just says uh, one of these books is in the gateway section if you're looking. Okay. So... So far, so good. Uh, we've actually had students using that, uh, recognizing it, and then walking over to the gateway area and oh, finding nice. the books that they're looking for, uh, which is really helpful. It's, it's <clears throat> been a nice little project. 
not super uh, time intensive. Yeah. It, we got it done at both schools within a couple days. Nice. Um, and yeah, so it worked out pretty well. It's been a solid move. Let me just say, first of all, I think that's really cool. That's a great solution to the issue that you described. So I like yeah. what you described a lot. Thank you. Uh, one of the things that we ran into recently and people who have listened to this podcast know I've talked about it a couple of times now is kind of a rise in uh, book challenges. And uh, one of the things that has come out of those in our district is that teachers are no longer allowed to have blanket assignments like that. Where, uh, and it's specifically with reference to the gateways. You cannot say, go pick a gateway. Because according to our district, that is an implicit endorsement of the content in all gateways or all library books. <laughs> so teachers are really being put in a bind in our district where any book that's required reading in a class, even if it's not a specific title, uh, has to be from our approved title list, you know, that goes the curricular, the, you know, the curricular list. Yeah. So it's really a bizarre, I mean, it, it has the effects of that kind of the logical extension of that, which is that, well, how do you ever give choice reading, you know, yep. as an assignment has not trickled down yet, but I, I really think it's only a matter of time. Um, and it's unfortunate because teachers cannot read every book, nor can librarians. Yeah. And not every book will be on a, the approved curriculum list yeah. and it's just oh. yeah, mm. hobbling teachers. So how do you, the idea that you go, if you are expecting students to read mm -hmm. and the movement while I was at summit and I know it's happening in a lot of places, you can see all the, what is it? Donalyn Miller and Penny mm -hmm. Kittle and yeah. these people that are writing the about book love the and importance choice reading. Of, yeah. The importance of, it's not that we're all reading the same one book, because right. you can get it from what interests you. Right. Let kids find books so that they enjoy reading. And now the move is I can't just say, hey, find a book that you like and read right. it because they might pick a book that somebody who's never going to look at that book would disagree right. with. Right. And if you say pick any book, you are endorsing literally every book that has ever been written by anybody and published right. and put on sale or in the library. Yeah. Well, what I think the, the objection that came from parents in these challenges was that <clears throat> the fact that these were part of a list, right? Sure. The gateway list implied endorsement. I don't agree with that. I don't think that sure. that's correct. Sure. But I think that there is enough pressure right now. They have told language arts teachers in my building and in other buildings that that is no longer an acceptable form of an assignment. So I, now I, that has not, like I said, it has not trickled down the choice reading yet, but how, do, okay. how does it not? I mean, like, yes. how does that not become the logical next step to this yes. argument? I find that so odd and so interesting for me. I don't know. I feel like the gateway nominees or the Truman nominees or the right. Mark Twain's or any of those, what is a better vetting system than a bunch of people who do this job professionally in this right. state, right. read these books, they chose them from books that were well-reviewed and well right. thought of, and then they read them and enough of them, a pretty high percentage said, yeah, this is a the type of book that would be great for a reader in a high school or a middle school or elementary, whatever the level yeah. is. 
Yeah. What is a better measuring stick? The talking points that keep coming up are, well, good reviews and bestseller status are not a good reason are not good reasons to include a book in a library. Those are li- that those reasons are said over and over again in these challenges and in these meetings. And the the response seems, I mean, the expectation seems to be that the only consideration should be high quality moral content that aligns with the person's beliefs who's yeah, posing like the challenge, right? Like that person's morality. individual beliefs. But I don't know how you run a library or how you build a collection without relying on reviews and bestsellers and other people's kind of professional judgment. Although we are, we have entered in the last five years, the era where nothing, there is no such thing as sound judgment or like professional judgment, you know, like it's everyone's opinion is equally valid. Anyway, I know I got us off topic, but no, no worries. I just want to bring that up because I expect that other librarians who see, who have a similar assignment in their building where, you know, the kids are expected to read a gateway book sure. or a Truman or whatever will come run into this because yeah. it has become, I mean, for heaven's sakes, one of the materials that got challenged in our district was the gateway bookmark made by Mazel. <laughs> they wanted it removed from the building so it could no longer be used for instructional purposes. <laughs> I know. Um, it's it's unreal. It's like living in a fantasy world. I don't understand. I, I'm trying to imagine what is on <laughs> the Mazel bookmark. That the cover, me... the title, the yeah. author, and the sales copy. I mean, yeah. that's the... Yeah. It's unreal. Yeah. Anyway, oh. I got... Anyway, love no, your that's idea. Fine. <laughs> love your idea. Yes. Just wanted to throw that out there. Well, so. by, by labeling mm-hmm. that, it'll make it easier for the censors to find the books yes. they're looking for. Yeah. And that way... They we can, can build the book fire the that much. Yes. More easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, perfect segue, though, thinking about Gateway Books and kind of how this all works, getting into this month's Reader's Nook, yeah. uh, which is a, a much... Part of the much maligned Gateway nominee <laughs> list. Yeah. Uh, masterminded by a cabal of evil librarians yes uh we do have that book series in our library we do have the evil librarian book series i do not believe it's about what anybody would write it about now no but one can only dream so this month's reader's nook uh, is the lovely and the lost by jennifer lynn barnes who is a gateway favorite she is uh, she is a perennial nominated Yes. Or at least uh, shortlisted yeah. to be considered for. And I, we've had a, couple, a handful of those so far, this podcast uh, mm-hmm. series. Yeah. Uh, those gateway favorites. But so I'm going to I'll read the summary. I have some thoughts in general on Jennifer Lynn Barnes previous yes. books and then yeah. kind of how that relates to this one. Yeah. OK, so. When a little girl is lost in a 750,000 acre national park a family of search and rescue professionals reunites and three generations of secrets are uncovered. Um, So if you've read Jennifer Lynn Barnes before, you heard the family reunites and generations of secrets are uncovered and you go, yes, Jennifer Lynn Barnes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We have this in mystery in, I believe in both of my libraries um, although I think it would fit very well in an adventure or whatever That's where we, we have refer it. to that. Yeah, we have an adventure. 
and I think that it is just as valid. I think ours is mystery because that's where almost all the other Jennifer. Well, that is where the most of them are. Yeah. So it was one of those like, hey, if you like this one, maybe you'll try this one out while you're sitting here looking. Yeah. Um, It is definitely I I had a little note here about it being uh, certainly an adventure mystery. Yes. Um, Exactly kind of in the vein of and not the adventure portion, but the. What was her book from last year's Gateway? The uh, the debutante one, yes. uh, Little White Lies. Little White Lies. So uh, family intrigue, teenagers doing stuff that they probably shouldn't be doing. Right. A lot of, which is all YA, right? Like right. If, if, if the book was- You're sounding like your middle-aged self, Dan. Yes, this, this crazy thing just happened. You know, we should just sit this out and let people who know what they're doing figure that out. No. Uh, that'd be weird. No. And- uh, tons of dog stuff in this book yeah as far as i can tell not a lot of psychic dogs well but, but this, still is a, dogs. this is the start to a series so give her time yeah maybe that's the next is it the beginning of a series is there another lovely in the lost well i mean the ending suggests that it is you know i don't know if the next one has come out but okay yeah. generally what were your thoughts it is not my favorite i i think i like jennifer lynn barnes more than you do i think we've talked about this before i think i like her more than you do um I I like I like the Little White Lies quite a bit. Um, probably not something I would read if it, if I weren't a YA librarian, you know, a high school sure. librarian. But for what I work with and who I work with, I I enjoyed it. Um, I feel like it'd be weird if you were uh, <laughs> our age and you're like, man, yeah. I can't wait for was it the Inheritance Game? No, what, yeah, whatever the is. next yeah, one I think is. It's inheritance. Yeah, yeah, I can't I wait can't, for that Dan, one to come out, and I can't. <laughs> No, I mean, this is not my favorite Jennifer Lynn Barnes is the first thing I'll say. I did not. I'm blanking on the protagonist's name right now. Give me one second. Kira. I would. I did not particularly like Kira. I don't like the feral child trope. I'm not really okay. interested in that. And I don't think that it was executed particularly well with in this book. I don't know. I just didn't really I didn't really care about Kira. I didn't. I, I also had mixed feelings about the dog stuff like I. I'm always very interested in when I can tell someone has done their research. And it was obvious that yes. Jennifer Lynn Barnes had done her research on um, these search dogs, right? Rescue dogs and their training and what goes into it. And I find that pleasurable to read because that's so interesting. You know, yes. that being said, I think because I didn't like Kira that much, you know, I didn't really also, there was so much emphasis on her relationship with this dog, the bond with the dog that I, Got tired of that as well. So I, not my favorite, um, not one that I would uh, probably point people towards if they, if I were going to start them on a Jennifer Lynn Barnes series. You know, I use, I do think this is one where you could give it to someone who's really interested in dog stories, you sure. know, because that is a genre for people. Like people like stories about animals. Have you guys added that to Summit's genres? Do you have a dog section now it is yeah. going to the sticker is going to be a paw print though. yeah so sure I already so know that. maybe not just dogs just animals more broadly yeah i think animals okay. more broadly but yeah sure. i um i don't know i mean what did you think about it that was kind of my sure no i i would go most of what you were saying in general i agree with except for the part where you said that this was not your favorite jennifer lynn barnes oh interesting um i'm as we've already mentioned, I am not the audience for the um, Southern Bell debutante yeah. society thing. Maybe in your next incarnation. Could be. Uh, and it, it, maybe it just hasn't happened for me yet. 
Yes, I have yet yes. to make my society debut. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Please so, let me know when that's going to happen. Yeah. So when I read that book last year, I very much did not enjoy it. Yeah. I think she's a good writer. Yeah. I think that she does a good job of setting up series and of, yeah. of giving you multiple characters that you can kind of relate to or want to dig into as you go through the book. Um, yeah. But that was definitely not my cup of tea. Yeah. So this one, I was not really looking forward to very much because I, my previous experiences with her are, are just generally books that are not for me. Yeah. Now, anybody that listens to this knows that I am nothing if not a mountain man, uh, somebody who spends a lot of time outdoors. Uh, I've already talked about how I, I have a deep love of pets in this episode. Yes. So no, most of this shouldn't have been up my alley. I'm not a big outdoor adventure book person. And I think when I read this one, it was probably the second of the two gateway books that are kind of this style, the outdoor surviving nature whatever yeah but i i liked it i your point about her doing her research is right on i really did feel like these people were dog rescue whatever you i yeah. guess it's not dog rescue but whatever rescue dog people uh, they, i guess a dog rescue story who's rescuing whom in yeah. this story <laughs> <laughs> um so I did, I liked the detail, the specificity of that. Yeah. I enjoyed as, as much as, as much as I do, I enjoyed the, these three precocious teens are really going to crack this mystery wide open. And they're yeah. going to be the ones that kind of outdo other people that are professionals. And to be fair, the teens in this are training to be professionals. So it's not like, right. They're like solving mysteries, but they have no reason to know how to do any of the things right. that they're doing. Um, so I enjoyed that. I liked that part of it. Um, I thought it was well done. It is definitely something that if you are into the adventure side, I think this book will catch you more yeah. than if you're into the Jennifer Lynn Barnes side. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. So... I enjoyed it a little bit more than you did. It's, it's not... still one of the better gateways, I think, this year. I think it's yeah. one of the stronger gateways this year. And I thought this year has been a pretty good crop. Uh, I don't know what we'll do in the next episode. I don't mean to make this an on-air production meeting, but... Um, but it is now. Maybe we'll do the other... Uh, was it the Speed of Falling Objects, uh, which is the other kind of outdoor yeah. survival thing? Yeah. Maybe we'll cover that one. Maybe we'll we'll go in a different direction just to not make it the same type of yeah. book two weeks in a row or two episodes in a row. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I think there's definitely, like with all of these, I think there's definitely an audience for it. Yeah. What was interesting to me is that the audience for this one is not the same as the audience for the last one. No, um, I agree. Although but, I think that someone who likes Jennifer Lynn Barnes will like this book. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. yeah, I yeah, think yeah. somebody who wants a mystery might not like this book, you know, uh, it's interesting. if they just want a mystery novel, you know? I yeah. Don't know. But we've, so we've had a few, there are a few authors that were back to back the last two years that had books okay. in last year's gateways yeah. that are in this year's Alert. Preston Norton, uh, Randy Rabai, oh, yeah. uh, Elizabeth Acevedo. Oh yeah. And I think, slow down. Let me have a, <laughs> But I think if you are, if you're looking at last year and going, 
I already know how I feel about this year. Yeah. You're right for some of those authors. Yeah. And that's you are true. wrong for others. And I yeah. think Jennifer Lynn Barnes, like Mindy McGinnis, um, is one that I had feelings about their work based on the previous gateway that then I read this year's and went, Oh, this is totally different. And I don't have to judge this book on the author. Yeah. I'm going to give this, this book a different shot where I think some of the other ones, if you liked, wait, what was Mindy McGinnis's last year? Uh, the unfortunates. No, I think that was Kim Liggett. Oh, Kim Liggett. That's right. Sorry. Kim yeah. Liggett. Did she did have the one unfortunates this year? and, um, Oh, Gracier. Gracier. That was who oh, I was okay. thinking. Gotcha. Sorry, yeah, not yeah, yeah. I was like, man, I do not remember what Mindy McGinnis's book was. No, the okay, Kim Liggett books. Got that it, got it. If you really liked The Unfortunate. Yeah, I would not have put those That does together. not pull you to Gracier. Uh, agreed. 100%. Or if you disliked The Unfortunates, it should not preclude you from reading Gracier. Uh, I think the same thing here. I, yeah. I should have gone in with a more open mind to this book because I ended up enjoying it quite a bit more than I did Uh Barnes' previous book, but you're going to find an audience for it, and they're going to they're going to like this book because you're going to find, like you said, people that like animal stories. Yeah, uh, I'm sure you you said you don't like children that have been saved from the wilderness. Just in general, you don't enjoy those children as people. <laughs> right, uh, but yes, some I... people out there really yes. do uh, feel compassion for what yes. they've been through, and they want to read about uh, how they can progress and and. Uh-huh. still live good fulfilling lives <laughs> away from that trauma that uh was no fault of their own <laughs> thank you dan thank so you. yeah for some for some yeah. readers this thank will be you. <laughs> yeah that you really made that clear thank sure. you <laughs> yeah uh, and on that note uh, if you have thoughts on this book or anything we've talked about during this episode so far please send us an email to librarymediachatter at gmail.com I will not stop asking you to do that just because you aren't sending us a lot of emails. Yeah. These uh, feel free to chime in about Momo. What search terms oh, did you please. use? Please. You know, did you find please. it? Yeah. Maybe did next you watch episode. The movie? There's a movie. There's a movie? Yeah. Like a documentary I mean... or a. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> we are going to take a quick commercial break and we will be back to wrap things up. This episode of Library Media Chatter is brought to you by Books About Leprechauns. It is March, and leprechauns are mad Dewey-sponsored what is clearly more of an October call number for the St. Patrick's Month episode. Maybe they'll keep their pot of gold to themselves this year. How do you like them, Shamrocks? Welcome back to Library Media Chatter. You are just in time for a quick story about... Oh, hold on. Wait one second. I'm sorry, Greg's dog is connecting with me telepathically <laughs> to let me know it's time to wrap up because he needs to go for a walk. Greg, not the dog. <laughs> On that note, remember, read responsibly, use a bookmark.